nights here. We got greatly surprised yesterday. Jonathan and Laura uh, flew in uh, unexpectedly from uh, North Carolina yesterday, of course, and they were with us for a few days, and so we had a real nice surprise yesterday afternoon. Uh, Tim said he, he lied to me. He told me he was going somewhere else, and uh, he went and picked him up at the airport, and I didn't know about it. He, he, he's a liar, but, uh, he's, uh, <laughs> but a, a good liar he is, so... Thank you for that. That was, it was good to have them here tonight here. Colossians chapter 1. We'll get right to it tonight. This is our sixth, our fifth message, I believe it is, on um, Christ first, this preeminence of Christ. And we're really just still in the introduction, the next last two verses of the, officially of the introduction, I guess, verse 12 and 13, and then, uh, or 14, I guess it is, then 15 kind of changes gears is one of the key verses. We'd like to read, I'll let you remain seated tonight here. Let's read four verses tonight and we'll pick up where we left off last week and we want to center in on just one of these four verses tonight in detail and we'll obviously point that out in a few seconds here. Colossians chapter 1 verses 12 and through 15 reading responsibly so let me read verses 12 and 14 and read with me please verses 13 and 15 together. All right here we go. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be, part, the part, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And of course, verse 16 through 18, and we'll spend a couple of weeks on these verses, Lord willing, Starting next week here, and there are text verses of the entire book here. Verse 19 says, For it pleased him and it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Christ is our all in all. Christ is first. He's the preeminent one. And we want to look at the preeminence of his blood tonight. Our key verse is verse 14, of course. Notice what it says again. It says, In whom we have redemption. How do we have redemption? Through what? Through his blood, even even the forgiveness of sins, all from the blood. Saved by the blood of the crucified one, the songwriter says. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And uh, are you, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? So many wonderful verses on the, the power, power, wonderful working power in the blood of the Lamb. And uh, the power of the blood tonight here. We want to look at this in detail here tonight. Paul is beginning to set the tone, set the precedence for the rest of the book and to expose the heresy that Christ is just not uh, just a man. He was the God-man, that the Gnostics were all washed up, as we're going to find out, that everything about Christ is first and foremost. He's the prototokos. He's the, the first, uh, first preeminent one of all preeminence. And so there's the preeminence of his blood. And I want you to notice, if you would please here, let's fill in the blank of the way of introduction here tonight here. We have redemption... We have redemption through his blood. Uh, I tell you what, for time's sake here, let's just have about six hands raised here in about a minute here. If you want to, let's have somebody read Ephesians 1, 7. Give me a hand quickly here. Tim, okay, let's have somebody else get, uh, how about Romans four twenty five? Romans four twenty five. 25, uh, Marge. Let's have, uh, how about Leviticus seventeen eleven? so we can hurry along. Seventeen eleven. 11, uh, Jaden. And uh, how about, uh, I skipped one here, how about Acts 13.39 here, uh, Jonathan? And uh, moving on, I'm skipping some of them on purpose, Genesis 9.6, somebody else, Genesis 9.6, Adam. And uh, Keith, would you get ready, Romans 5.9 please, Romans 5.9. So we have redemption 
we have purchased through his blood. Colossians 1.14 sounds almost exactly like Ephesians 1.7. Who has that nice and loud for us? Read it nice and loud, please. Okay, we have redemption. There's the word there. Through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. Again, in Colossians 1.14, Paul is setting up these Colossians to let them know who of the preeminence of Christ in regards to his preeminence of his blood. He says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And then in verse 20, we're all there, chapter 1 of Colossians. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And so we have this redemption by his blood. Romans 4.25 says, uh, who has that for us, please? Sure, go ahead. And so this redemption, where he was delivered for our offenses, look at verse number 13 of our text, who, was delivered, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. His blood delivered us. His blood, the, the, the death of Christ, delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. When Marta bowed her head in the back room here yesterday and she prayed the sinner's prayer, 52-year-old Roman Catholic lady, and she prayed the sinner's prayer and she Asked the Lord to forgive her her sin, come into her heart and be her savior. She was delivered from the power of darkness and translated instantaneously into the kingdom of his dear son. Salvation is, is, instanta- uh, is uh, uh, instant in its, in its effect, and it's efficacious, as we're going to find out. It's, it justifies us from whom we could not be justified by the law of Moses. And so redemption includes two things. I didn't have a fill in the blank for you, but it includes deliverance. I've already read verse 13. And it also includes justification. It includes justification. Acts 13, 39, somebody nice and loud, please. Decao, that word justification just means to be, de- to be declared right. I am right with God because I'm in Christ. You're right with God because you're in Christ and, and because of what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. So I want to deal with the preeminence of his blood tonight and tell you tell 10 things that we'll have to do rather quickly here tonight so we get through all these here. But first of all, Genesis 4 and verse number 10. The very first time we find the word blood in the Bible is Genesis 4.10. Would you turn there, please? And, and I want you to maybe underline it in your Bible. When Cain killed his brother Abel... God knew he killed Abel, of course. The eyes of the Lord in every place. And Cain tried to hide it, didn't he? He, he? he hid his body, of course. He tried to hide his sin. He tried to hide his murder. And Genesis 4 and verse number 10. And he said, What hast thou done? That's the Lord. And he said these words, The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. The blood speaks. The blood cries. The blood is, is alive, of course. It speaks. And uh, the life of the flesh is in the blood, we're going to find out. So the blood speaks. God hears that blood. 
It's, it's living, of course. In fact, Leviticus 17, 11, our second verse and our second truth about the preeminence of the blood. First of all, it speaks. It's, it's, uh, it, God, God knows the blood. He hears the blood. And he knows, knows the blood. Uh, uh, Leviticus 17, 11, who has that verse? Right, so the blood not only does it speak, but it, 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 the blood is, 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 is life. There's a reason. We could go to Psalm 139. There's a reason why Christians are pro-life. Because life is from God. Blood, you know, man can create a lot of things. You know, uh, I don't know if anybody in this room has a plastic kneecap. Anybody have a plastic kneecap here? Well, okay, well, you, you know, you can, get, you, can get, you can get new kneecaps, you can get new hips, you can get new bones. You can get new almost everything. You can get heart transplants. Keith here tonight. You can get somebody's heart in your body. You can get liver transplants. You can get all kinds of transplants. But then, but you need a blood transfusion to keep alive. But, but one thing man can't create. We can create a lot of things, but we can't create blood. And blood, it is a special DNA to the blood. It's life, and it's and it's there's a preeminence of blood. Or, or, or the blood, it speaks, it's life. But then, thirdly, Genesis 9, 6, who has it for us? Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed, for it is God, and it be God said, if you shed man's blood, now some say, well, this is Old Testament. It is Old Testament, of course. Genesis 9, 6 is Old Testament. That the, the, your blood should be shed, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But there's... Blood is thoroughly, it's sacred. It's from, from God again. It's, it's, and uh, here, Genesis 9, 6 teaches what we call capital punishment. Is there a verse in the New Testament? There are many, there are many Christians that uh, falsely believe that we're under the, 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 the right when we're under the age of grace. And we're in a different era. That's true, a different dispensation. That's true. But some say that capital punishment is not for today. Can you give me a New Testament verse that would, uh, would betray that or de- debunk that? Go ahead, Tim. Okay, how about Romans 13? He beareth not the sword in vain. In the, the government, right? They're, they're, they're a terror to the, to the uh, unjust, of course. Uh, and uh, why would you bear a sword if it's not for execution, of course? And that was the power of civil government, of course. And so God, God I think the New Testament also uh, justifies capital punishment, life for life, just like the Old Testament. So Blood is sacred, it's preeminent, uh, it's, it's life, it speaks. But number four, turn to Exodus chapter 12. Let's everybody turn there real quickly here. And this is a story, of course, the, the Passover, Exodus chapter 12. And And you know the story, they would take a lamb, an innocent lamb of one year, a male without spot or blemish. It couldn't, it couldn't have blemish, it couldn't be uh, two years old, it couldn't be spotted, it couldn't be a female, it had to be a male. One year, uh, a little ewe lamb, of course. And uh, they would take that blood and they were to they were shed the blood. But notice what it says, not only they were to shed the blood, but verse number 13, it says this, Exodus twelve thirteen. and when the blood shall be and the excuse me, and the blood shall be to you for a token, 
upon the houses where ye are. So write down the word, the blood is preeminent because it is a token. The word token means a mark or a sign or the proof. Now let's finish the verse. It says this. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. When we read down through the text here, of course, we find out that uh, everybody that was in the house, what happened to everybody that was in the house and the blood was applied upon the lentils? Were they saved or lost? They were saved. They were saved, every one of them. And uh, I wonder how many of them had very little faith. But they, they were inside, the, they, they had the blood that was been applied. I, I talked to people, a couple, just this past week. In fact, I, well, I'll tattle here. I had somebody in my office just today. And they said sometimes they wonder if they're, they, they're, they're, they're saved, they, they could lose their salvation. They were afraid to, and I, I explained to them that they couldn't lose their salvation, that their blood is, they have a mark, that they pled the blood of Christ one day, and that God remembers their their there's the fact that they're under the blood. Do you think when the death angel was coming over and there, you heard all the cries of the, from the houses of Egypt, the people dying and firstborns dying in their houses that didn't have blood, you think people got nervous in those houses where their blood had been applied? Like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen to us. And the death angel passed over. We can get insecure about our salvation, but there's a token. In fact, turn to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, we see this word token again in Joshua 2, in verse number 12. This is where in Rahab the harlot. Now, for you younger people that might not know what a harlot is, she wasn't a very good lady. That's putting it mildly. And she and her household, do you know the story? She hides the two, two spies of Egypt, or Israel rather. It says in Joshua 2 and verse number 12, it says, Now therefore I pray you, or I ask you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you your kindness, that you will also show me kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token. She said, give me something, a mark or a sign or some way that I know that I'm going to be safe when Israel comes in and destroys all of Jericho. Don't let me be destroyed. And she let them down the, the side of the wall, remember, with a scarlet thread, a scarlet rope. In fact, read verse number 18. Notice what it says. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let, let us down by, and thou, thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and all thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And uh, you know the rest of the story. Everybody that came into Rahab's, the harlot's house, they put that scarlet cord out the window, and all the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, but that one part of the wall where the, where the house was stayed, stayed uh, erect and didn't, didn't fall down. And, of course, all, all those were saved in the house, of course. It was a token, a proof, a mark, or a sign. I proudly say and proudly know that I've, I've pled the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse me from my sins and I, I'm saved. I'm a child of God. I, I have that token, that sign, that blood, that I've been washed by his blood. So blood is it's preeminent in that it is, it is a token. God sees the blood. He says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. When the blood has been applied, I'll pass over you. Blood is sacred. It's so sacred that it's life for life. It's, 
It's, uh, it's life itself. There's no life without blood. It speaks. Then Romans 5, number, 5 verse number 9, please. All right, so the blood is preeminent in the fact that it justifies. I like it. It's not quite 100% accurate, but it, it gets the job done. Justification, just as if I'd never sinned. When Jesus looks at me, I probably overused my grandkids in illustrations over the years, but I'll use them again here. When I look at uh, my grandkids, well, sometimes I see sin, but most of the time I, <laughs> I never see any sin. I, they, they, they can be, they're my grandkids. I love them to death. And uh, I see no evil in them. I see just wonderfulness in them. How much more does our Heavenly Father see us justified? He's, he's, he, we're the apple of his eye. David was the apple of his eye. We're the apple of his eye. We're justified. And we're sanctified through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then uh, Romans 3.25. In fact, I tell you what, let's, for time's sake here, we'll get, let's get some more hands here. Romans 3.25, somebody. Uh, uh, Laura, please, thank you. And First uh, John 2.2, 2, let's get somebody read that for us, please, Marge. And uh, let's have, uh, we'll all go to Revelation. So let's go to, how about First uh, Peter 1.18 and 19, somebody else. Uh, uh, Lynn, and then uh, one more here. Uh, I want you to turn there. So let's, let's, we'll, we'll, let's do number six here. Romans 3.25, who has it? All right, the propitiation, I like that word. It's the word hilasmas. It's the, the word that the propitiation means covering. Through faith in his blood, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Uh, and to, 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 for the remission of sins that are passed through forbearance of God. First John 2 2, did I give you that verse out? All right, so I had to fill in the blank word be the word all instead of efficacious because efficacious is too hard to expel. So the word efficacious, it's, it's, it's a covering. It's a covering for all. It's effective. It's efficacious. It's, it's for all who believe. He's a propitiation for our sins only, not for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. There's a false doctrine that's taught in, in some Reformed churches. It's called the doctrine of limited atonement. And it's the idea that the blood of Christ is only shed for the elect. Where here, this is a verse, 1 John 2, 2, that says he's a propitiation covering for our sins, the elect's sins. Not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The blood of Jesus Christ is efficacious enough to forgive everybody that comes unto him. All that comes unto him can be saved if they'll come to him. So the... the the, the atonement is a universal atonement, but not all will, will apply it. He's the Savior of all men, especially those that believe, the Bible says in First Timothy. And so his blood is, is preeminent because it's efficacious for all. See, my blood is only efficacious for me. It's only, your blood is only efficacious for you. Christ's blood is efficacious for us all, of course. And then I want you to all turn to Revelation chapter 1 here tonight. Here, I want you to see this verse here, one of my... Pet peeves that I have, of course, I've used to talked about this verse many times. In the new, newer versions in the last 40, 50 years, 
these, this word was changed in the NIV 1971. And then, uh, there, you know, there's another new version out. It just came out just uh, five years ago now. It's called the Modern English Version, of course, and it's, a, it's another version, another variant of text. But it says here, we have all these new texts, and here, I want you to notice here what our Bible says in First John, or Revelation 1, 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. He's the first fruits of the resurrection, by the way, 1 Corinthians 15. He's the first begotten from the dead. No man has seen God at any time. Jesus ascended up into glory first before anybody else could see, see the heavenly Father. And the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and what's the next word? Help me out. Washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, the newer versions use the word freed or loosed. And uh, I won't it'll take me five minutes to dissect that and explain why. Uh, essentially, the word is uh, uh, without capitals. Is the same. The word wash and the word loose is the same word, but they're two exactly completely different words. And the word the word is washed. He washed us from our sins, and it's we're we're going to heaven. I said it many times. We're going to heaven because we're freed by the blood of Christ. That's true. Very true. But we're also going as, we're not only going as freed sinners, but as washed sinners. It's very important. In fact, Revelation 7, in case you need a, a secondary verse, Revelation 7 and verse number 14, notice what it says. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have freed their robes? No, washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So we're going to heaven, again, as freed sinners. But we're not just freed, we're, we're washed. Now, another variant of washed, turn to 1 John 1, 7. And it's a completely different word in the Greek language. In fact, you know this word. You know the word for, uh, I'll teach you, the word for loose or freed is the word, are you ready for it? Listen very carefully, I know it very well. It's the first Greek word I ever learned in Bible college. In fact, I had a card. I had to learn this word in about 200 different variants. It's called the word, the word for freed or loosed is the word luo. I still remember the first six conjugations. Luo, Luis, Louis, Luamen, Luelle, Lucy. Luamai, Luedi, I could go on and on and on with you, but anyhow. Uh, luo is the word for freed. The word for washed, you know what it is? It's the word luo. But it's got an extra O in it. It's... it's it's, I don't know, I'll lose you. Just, just trust me. Well, this word here for cleansed is, the next word is the word cleansed, number eight. It's the word katharidzo. All of our medical people know the word, the word that word comes from. The English word we get from that, we get catharized from, or cauterize. Uh, uh, look at the verse here, verse number, First John 1, 7, of course. But if we walk in light as he is in light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, catheterizes us from all sin. It purges us. So we're washed, we're washed white as snow. We're cleansed, we're purged. We're, the, his blood is efficacious for all, by, for all of us and for all of our sin. It justifies us. It's a token, it's a sign, it's a, it's a, 
It's a mark. It's a proof that we were, were, if we're under the blood, that we're saved. It's, it's sacred. It's life. It speaks. And then Acts 20, 28, we preached on it in a couple different weeks here back in the first few Sundays of the year, of course. Acts 20, 28. Uh, who has that for us? Would somebody read that for us nice and loud, please? I didn't give it a verse out. Acts 20, 28, please. Okay, I'll read it then. Be that way. Take heed, therefore, to yourself, unto yourselves and to all the flock of God, which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. And so the blood of Christ purchases us. Now, by the way, the Bible says, and we looked at this Sunday morning about three weeks ago when we preached on this, he purchased with his own blood. Who, 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 who's, who's talking about in the context? To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Whose blood was it? It was Christ's blood, but specifically in this Acts 20:28, 20, it was what? God's blood. Now, uh, this is where we get really deep and really get, uh, was Christ's blood human? Yes, it was. Was it, did he have human bones? Yes, he did. He had human flesh. He, some, some have said it's a, it's a heresy to deny, to, to, to deny the deity of Christ. That's true. It's also a heresy to deny the humanity of Christ. He died as our kinsman, redeemer. He died, he shed literal blood on that cross. But it wasn't just literal blood, it was different than every other blood that there's ever been. In, in, there's a reason why he had to be virgin, virgin, birth, right? virgin born. Because it's God's blood. And so this blood is, we're purchased by, the, by God. He's the one who purchases us, by his blood. And then Acts, or 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, who has it for us, please? And his voice which came from heaven. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. 1 Peter 1, do you have that? 1 Peter 1? Conversation. All right, so this blood is precious blood. Our blood is contaminated blood, isn't it? It's earthly blood or human blood. His blood is precious blood. More precious than gold and silver, more precious than. Um, Anything this earth has to offer, of course. So what do we know about the blood? Going back to Colossians chapter 1 and, of course, first, verse number 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Two things about the blood that we don't do. We don't, number one, we don't dilute it. Turn, if you would, please, to John chapter 20, verse 17. I want you to see this verse here. Very important. You see... You say, what do you mean by we don't dilute it? Let me give you the second fill in the blanks. See, there is a teaching out there, and it's even in some fundamental pulpits. Not many, but some. Down through the years, I, there's a pastor, preacher. He's in heaven now. He's been in heaven for a number of years. He was my senior by a number of years. He's, I had a great respect for him, but he, 
he was wrong on this one point. He, he was taught from a certain place, I won't leave unnamed here, but I've been there a number of times over the years. He was taught from a certain place that taught that the, the blood was synonymous for the speaking of the death of Christ. Now, Christ died. We all agree with that, right? That's part of the, the gospel. That's real simple. But how did he die? Well, he was crucified, right? He gave up the ghost, you're right, but he, you're right, he gave up the ghost and died, but he, he shed his blood, and when the soldiers speared him, remember, henceforth came out blood and water. Now, here's my critique. It's not just enough that Jesus died on the cross. That, that in, in his death, he, it was how he died that was very important. Now, let me give you an illustration so you understand. Fill in the blank, if you would, please. It's not enough that Christ died for us, let me ask you this question. Let's say those Israelites back in Exodus chapter 12, they obeyed God to the letter and they, they, they killed the lamb of one year without spot and without blemish. They shed his blood and they put it in a bowl. Would that have saved them? The lamb was killed. The lamb died. No, the blood had to be what? It had to be applied. You know, there's a lot of people that believe, by the way, up here that Jesus died for, their, died for their sins, but they never received him down here. They never applied it. They never had a personal application. And uh, the blood must be applied. And I believe that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, he died as our Passover lamb. Let me, let me rephrase that. It doesn't matter what I believe. The Bible teaches that Jesus died as our Passover lamb. Would we all agree with that? Say Amen. He died on the cross as our lamb. But he just didn't die as our lamb. If we were to go to Hebrews chapter 10 and take another whole message in detailed form. But I believe, and the verse I use most often is Romans 4.24. We quoted it already, 25. He was delivered for our offenses. He died as our lamb. He was raised again for our justification. The gospel, remember, is the death. Not just the death. The burial and the resurrection of Christ, right? We have salvation in all three, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But when he arose from the grave, this is what I think happened. And this is a resurrection morning here. John chapter 20, verse number 17. Mary evidently falls at his feet to, to, to when she realizes that Jesus is is uh, verse number 16, Jesus said unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Now the Bible doesn't say this, but I think that she probably, when she realized it was Jesus, I, I, this is Marty Schott, I could be wrong. I think she fell down on her knees. I think she went to grab his feet. I think she went to touch him. Why? Because of verse 17. Jesus said, look what he said, touch me not. For I have not ascended unto my heavenly Father, but, uh, but go to my brethren and say unto them that I ascend unto my Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. Jehovah, false witnesses, love to use that verse. And they say, see, Jesus wasn't God. He said that God the Father was his God. Well, let me ask you a question. Go to the Old Testament for a minute. Was the high priest of the tabernacle, was he, was he God? No, of course not. The high priest, he wasn't the lamb either, was he? There was a lamb and there was a high priest and they went to the mercy seat and they offered the, uh, the mercy seat the blood, right? 
And that's where God meant the kind of glory. So we got, we got the blood, we got the lamb, we got the, we got the high priest, different entity. And then we got the Jehovah God on the mercy seat, on the, the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. Three separate entities. What was Jesus' role in John chapter 20, verse number 17? His role was, he was the lamb, and he died on the cross, and he shed his blood, but now he's the high priest. And he's got to present that blood on the altar. And this is where Hebrews 9, 10, 11 come in then. And he's going to present his, as a great high priest, he said, to my God. He didn't take the role of God. He took the role of the high priest. He, the great high priest that enters in once into the holy holy, making their intercession for the sins of the people. You see, I, what, I'm, what am I trying to say? I hope I didn't lose you. I'm trying to say that it's Christ died for our sins. That's wonderful. And that's part of the gospel. And I'm not minimizing it. But that blood was, had to be shed. That blood was not only shed, but it was applied. And I think that Jesus, this is, this is he say, can you prove this? Well, I think I can by application, by not, not an exact verse. I think Jesus went to heaven on Sunday morning, resurrection Sunday morning. I think he presented his blood as the high priest once for all. Just like Hebrews says, on the altar of heaven forever and ever, the, the, uh, the human tabernacle was an altar of things to come. And he did it once for all, never to have to do it again. And he applied the blood, and that's why he said, I go to my God and your God and my Father and your Father. He no, 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 no longer has to speak that way because he's God, of course. And one day he's going to uh, turn over the kingdom 1 Corinthians 15, by the way, verse 28, I think it is, to the Heavenly Father, and God will be all in all, the Bible says. We'll understand right now the Trinity is a great mystery to us, but this, I'm getting too deep now, but the blood, don't dilute it. Don't, don't minimize it and say, well, it's just the same thing as the, d- the death of Christ. No, it's part of the death of Christ. He shed his blood. And then number two, Hebrews 10, 29, I'm out of time here. But let me hurry up here. Don't despise it. Don't despise it. There's some people that make mockery and they cloak it in Hebrews 10, 29. They cloak it in and say that evangelical Christians or fundamental Christians said they make too much of the blood of Christ. I don't think you can make too much of the blood of Christ. I don't think you can uh, overemphasize the blood of Christ. Here in Hebrews 10, verse 29, of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall be thought worthy, who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. Oh, you fundamentalists, you make too much of the blood. I don't know if you can make too much of the blood. I don't think you can. It's the blood of Christ, after all. It's a, it's a, it's a holy thing. And have done despite to the spirit of grace. I thank God for... There are many, many people, in, 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 and talking about some people in evangelical Christianity that will not sing, There is a fountain filled with blood run from Emmanuel's veins. William Copper's song of 250 years ago, because he say, There's no fountain up there in heaven of blood. Well, the Bible says, The blood liveth. He, gives his, he gave his blood on the altar forever and ever. I think the blood's there. I think the blood is still efficacious for our sins. I know I got earthly blood flowing through me. I know, I, spiritually speaking, I got the blood of Christ flowing through, through me as well. So what does, do we learn from our text? We've got to finish up. It's 8.01, and I'm, I'm late here. 
Christ's blood has to be, had to be shed for our salvation. And you say, how do you get that, preacher? Hebrews 9.22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. The songs, the, 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 the writer Paul, underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Heavenly Father, thank you for your blood tonight. Thank you for the, son, the blood of your son. Lord, in essence, we don't worship the blood per se, like we don't worship the cross. Lord, but we worship you. But Lord, we certainly count the blood of Christ a holy thing. We certainly know that it's what washes away our sins, it gives us life, that cleanses us, that the blood is sacred to you, that your blood is more precious than silver and gold, that your blood is able to purchase us, and as you call it the, the blood that, you, that God purchased his church with. Lord, help us to thank God for your blood that washes us from, cleanses us and washes us from all sins and gets us fellowship with you, we pray. I pray blessed and we close our service tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Let's all stand and sing one verse of uh, How about there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins.